You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hey, welcome to Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary, your host. I'm the president of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, and we're a pass-through nonprofit business in San Diego, California, where we're providing leadership programs, leadership development programs for enlisted military. Joining me today, I have John Crutzen. John is a retired Navy Command Master Chief. John spent 30 years in the Navy before he transitioned out and actually left Southern California. And today he resides in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, the first part of John's career, he was an operations specialist in the Navy. We call those OSs before he came, became a Command Master Chief later in his career, which we'll hear more about. John, uh, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. Hey, that's great. Thanks for joining me today. You know, before we get into the meat of the conversation, I just want to sort of like an icebreaker question, if you will. And I'm always curious when I talk to other leaders about the best piece of leadership advice somebody ever gave you. Um, I think probably the best advice I ever got was, um, you know, don't um, come from a position of throwing your rank around. I'm the chief. I'm the master chief. So you will do this. If you have to explain what your rank is, you're not you're not leading to begin with. And so, you know, you need to be able to inspire people to follow you based on your actions and your um, and your ability. And if you're not doing that, um, you know, it doesn't matter what your rank is. You're not going to be an effective leader. You know, that's such sound advice. You know, uh, John Maxwell has a book called The uh, Five Levels of Leadership. And actually, what you described is that first level, that positional level of leadership where, you know, this is this is me because I'm in that position and you're going to follow you're, mm-hmm. you're going to follow me. Uh, you know, when 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 I would sign charge books, um, I would put something like uh, be the leader uh, that people follow because of who you are, not because of what you wear. Uh, so that, that's great advice. Th- thanks for sharing that. So uh, 30, 30 years in the Navy. Um, I'm sure you, know, you, like so many of us, joined uh, for f- a four-year. Uh, I'm signing up for four years. Sure. Um, uh, if somebody would have said, oh, no, you're going to stick around for 30 years, <laughs> uh, I think uh, they'd be crazy. So you know, tell us a little bit about your, your 30-year career. Um, just like you said, David, um, when I joined, I had a um, – idea that I was going to come in for four years, get a little bit of um, education and training, and ultimately I was going to get out and go become an air traffic controller. Um, That didn't happen. uh, And I ended up staying in. And the longer I was in, uh, the more I was enjoying it. And then I kind of hit that point where, you know, you get to that halfway point where if if you're at least 10, uh, 10 years, then uh, you might as well make it a career. And so I really didn't focus on making it a career until almost that eight or nine year mark when I decided I was going to go past 10. Uh, but then once I did, I really, you know, focused on, you know, what can I do to to excel and, and be the best I can be? Mm. Yeah, that, that 10, 10 year mark, you're right. That is kind of critical. You like, uh, you're either all in or you're, you're getting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've been a, a few people, I don't know about you, that actually got out at that even 12 to 14 year mark. So um, now how, how many years did you do before you picked up uh, E7, Chief Petty Officer? I was at the 13 year mark. And I, and I will tell you, um, you know, sometimes luck has a, has a little bit of, you know, something to do with it or fate. Um, but I will tell you that I had a, um, a situation shortly after I decided that I was going to make the Navy a career. Uh, my second son uh, 
had a uh, rare genetic disease that uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, there was no cure for. And um, I really found out at that point in time when uh, when when someone's in need, the Navy really kind of comes together and, and helps helps each other out. And uh, we needed to get a bone marrow transplant for him. And um, I was actually taken off on a humanitarian transfer off my ship and sent to a recruiting station in Durham, North Carolina, next to Duke yeah. University, where he went through his bone marrow transplant. Um, and what I found out during that time was that, you know, the Navy really is is a family and we take care of each other. And um, although the results for my son did not turn out uh, the way we wanted them to, he passed away um, mm. shortly after his transplant. But um, it really made up in my mind that, you know, I need to pay that back to the people I work for, people that work for me, and uh, to make sure that we're doing everything we can to provide that opportunity for sailors to succeed, uh, you know, whether it's in their personal life or in their professional career. And so um, I'm kind of, you know, although it was not a great situation losing a child, but uh, it really uh, provided me with a, with a foundation of, of what I needed to do as a leader to be effective and, and make sure my folks were taken care of. Yeah, wow. So I'm sorry about to hear about your son. Um, but, but that, that's, that's really interesting because w what I take away from that too, uh, not just the, the impact, like you said, that, that, or the direction that had on your life as a leader and how you will use your experience, uh, going forward as a leader, you know, oftentimes, and, and I think you would agree, um, many people would look at senior enlisted and say, well, of course the Navy or the military is going to help you out. But you didn't pick up, you know, we considered the senior enlisted, you know, E7, senior, you know, chief and gov until 13 years. And this took place when you were uh, what, E5 or an E6? E6. I was, yeah, I was first e class. I was up for chief at the time. It hadn't made it yet. So. So, so were you, um, I mean, were you one of those, listen, with Petty Officer Crutzen is, is the top performer at our command. We, he's going through this hardship. We've got to. We've got to bend over backwards more than we would anybody else. Um, or were you just kind of a middle of the pack, just you know, just petty officer Crutzen? I mean, what, what, why did they treat you so, so differently, or did your command treat everybody that way, or was that a was it a person thing? Well, I had a I had a good command uh, that understood the gravity of the situation, and um, and and they pretty much took care of everybody that way. Um, I was they just didn't single me out. Um, I wasn't your number one guy, um, the number one top performer that they were trying to get advanced or anything like that, that they would look out for, uh, specifically, uh, they took care of everyone, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't your dirtbag, um, you know, uh, performer who, you know, wasn't doing what they needed to do and was barely getting by and had to be, you know, told time and time again to get things done. Um, so I certainly wasn't that person. I was kind of that middle of the road sailor. Um, that did everything that was expected of them, did a good job at it, but, you know, was kind of un, unrecognized. Hmm. Interesting. So you say un unrecognized, but yet you weren't um, so unrecognized or so invisible, if you will, um, that you didn't perform over time in such a way that you made chief. Uh, sure. You know, and that for those that don't know in the Navy, um, when you go promote from E6 to E7, it's the first time that all your evaluations are actually looked at and you're racked and stacked as we call it 
So you have to take a test in order to become board eligible, but then that selection board, your evaluations are are looked at. So, um, you know, I, I've known you for a lot of years, and you know, you've talked about this thing, the invisible middle. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you can you kind of you know share a little bit about that, and maybe any a uh, a story sure. associated with that? Sure. Um, and so, um, as I got more senior in rank, um, mentorship became much more important to me. Uh, to make sure that my sailors, you know, had the right guidance to be successful. And when I talk about the invisible middle, what I'm, what I'm referring to is, you know, your, your people that really do a good job and they stand out, they're going to get the positive attention automatically. Leadership is going to see their efforts and latch onto them and try to groom them and make them into a, you know, a good leader and, and help them advance. Uh, conversely, you have the people at the bottom that are not performing well, and they're getting attention for all the negative reasons. And so they're getting mentorship, whether they realize it or not, trying to bring their performance back up. But it's everybody else in the middle that is doing their job, not necessarily so remarkable that they're getting noticed like that top 10%, um, but that are effective and can be great leaders. And most of those people don't get the attention they should get to help groom them and be, you know, become the good leaders and help them to advance that they could be. Um, I found myself in that position. And uh, because of that, nobody ever pulled me aside uh, on my way up to make chief. Uh, Nobody ever said to me, Hey, we see a lot of potential in you and we want to help you get to that next level. That never happened until about a year before I made chief. Um, I finally had a senior chief that said, Hey, we're going to get you over the top. Uh, that was the first time that it ever happened uh, to me. And I said, you know, this is this is ridiculous. We need to make sure that we are capturing these people that are in the middle, that invisible middle, because how many great sailors, how many great leaders could we cultivate? Could we groom uh, if we just paid attention to that group right there? You know, that that really describes the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. And in our programs, uh, for those unfamiliar our students actually submit an application, and that application goes uh, from their their device to us. It doesn't get vetted through the chain of command. Um, and, and I think the way you put that, that invisible middle is, is the exact reason why, because we know from our experience, just like you described, that th- those applications might be vetted in those invisible middle people that, that probably need what we have to offer. Everybody needs it, but they may need it more so than that, perhaps the top 10% that have things figured out. Um, that uh, that we are able to capture so many of those invisible middles in our program. Um, so let's shift gears a l- little bit. It's been kind of kind of serious, um, you know, talking about your son and 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 I yeah. love the leadership lessons about the invisible middle. But you know, um, listen, after after thirty years, like after four years, but in thirty years, you 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 lived through. Um, boy, some very unique times and transitioning times of the Navy. Sure. Um, is there one, you know, some you know, humorous story, um, some event that, that took place in your career that uh, may not tie directly to leadership, but that you could just share with us? Um, no, there's, I'm sure there's a, many, but um, one I could probably point out to you is uh, I was brand new uh, in the Navy and, and uh, two of us had had just gotten um, gotten to the ship, and we were at, uh, operation specialists were working the 
in the radar room. Uh, we pass information to the to the bridge so they can make decisions on driving the ship tactically and and navigationally. And um, so we always have one representative on a phone uh, relaying information from uh, Combat Information Center where I work to the bridge. And so the other new guy that was with me, he was up on the bridge and, you know, scared to death because he's brand new. And so he relayed some information and the ship had all radars shut down. We were in what we called MCON Alpha. And so everything was shut down so we would be undetected. And we passed some information up to the bridge about a ship out there uh, in the near vicinity. And so the captain said, well, why is, you know, CIC passing that information? They have the periscope up. Well, this this young guy up there on the bridge was so scared, he didn't think before he asked. So he just called back down to the CIC and said, hey, is the periscope up? And of course, surface ships do not have periscopes. There's no need for a periscope. Of course, he didn't realize that. So um, he was known as Periscope for quite, you know, quite some time. But, you know, it just kind of goes to, you know, people being new and not not familiar, even though he knew better. <laughs> he was just relaying information. Yeah, you know, and you talk about, you know, being young in the military and said Periscope. I think I was a, a, a chief or an even number chief. And for those that don't know, an even number chief is a senior chief when he ate. And I was on a ship and I made a comment to the captain about launching torpedoes. And he's like, he's like, seriously, dude, torpedoes? This is a surface ship, not a not a submarine. Uh, <laughs> felt pretty stu- pretty stupid. But no, you're right. Uh, you know, we can navigate down the road of male buoy watches and sea yep. bats. Sure. But we we can sure. probably re- reserve that for another for yeah. another time. If uh, if if you're you know at a coffee shop and you happen to overhear a conversation, two people contemplating going in the military. Um, what what leadership advice w- would you happen to give to give them to help them make the decision whether to go in or not? And if they do go in, you know, to be successful? Yeah, I, I think I would tell them that, you know, it's never a bad thing to go into the military. There is so much to be learned. There are so many opportunities out there, um, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, there's there's the college, uh, the GI Bill and and those type of things. So there's certain benefits that they can draw there. But the experiences that they will gain, um, both leadership and interpersonal, um, are just so valuable that uh, it, it's almost unfair uh, when you have a veteran uh, looking for a position versus a uh, someone that hasn't been in the military. They have such a leg up on it. And a lot of times they don't even realize it. Um, but you just learn so much. You're given so much responsibility at a young age that you would never get anywhere else. And uh, you're never... You're never going to be worse off for going in. Uh, so I, I would say um, it's just an experience that I think is, is well worth it. In fact, um, you know, my, my position is I think that in some capacity, whether it's military or not, I think everybody should serve our country in some way, shape or form, you know, for a couple of years to get that sense of purpose, that sense of unity with, you know, we all are Americans. Yeah, isn't it crazy how young, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, and they, they can push that button to launch yeah. you know, missiles and torpedoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, what, do you, what do you miss? What do you miss about it? I think the camaraderie is probably what I miss the most. Um, you know, I've really worked hard at trying to transition out. You know, that was a, you know, the military was a chapter of my life, a big part of my life. And um, I don't regret any bit of it and enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I'm sure there were some times I wasn't so happy, but 
uh, for the most part, you know, my entire career was, was very positive and, you know, but that chapter's over. I, I don't want to be defined as only a sailor, you know, there's mm-hmm. so much more to me than just the Navy. And so I don't want to be defined just as, you know, a sailor or now a retired sailor, you know? Um, yeah. Now, you know what they say, a, a bitchy sailor is a happy sailor. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. So, right. Okay. So, so final question, John, uh, you know, this is, you know, hopefully you find something humorous in this, but you know, uh, we've all been lucky in life. And, and so tell us, is there, is there like a, a bad leadership decision that had a positive outcome? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would say, uh, one that stands out to me and it was, it was interesting because, uh, it was my first tour as the command master chief and in that position more so than I had as a chief or senior chief or even a master chief prior to becoming command master chief, you're dealing with families, you're dealing with spouses, uh, and you know, the calls that, you know, this person isn't doing this or that person isn't doing that. And so I got a call from a spouse and my, um, my sympathy flag went way up because she was suffering from a medical condition and she was complaining about her husband who was going to be an ex-husband, not doing what he needed to do to help, you know, take care of her uh, while they were still together. And so um, immediately I call him to my office and start yelling at him for not doing what he needed to be doing. And so I was going on about two minutes at this point. And he said, Master Chief, can I stop you? Would you like to hear what I have to say or, you know, what, you know, what's going on with me? And he had explained that he had actually done everything he was supposed to do. And she was just trying to get him in trouble. And uh, once I realized that, you know, um, you know, thank God he didn't hold it against me. And, uh, you know, I apologized and I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I should have, you know, before making judgment, I should have had the, you know, chance to listen to what you had to say. And, and, you know, it turned out okay in the end. Uh, but you know, I never forgot that and I never, uh, jumped to conclusions again. So that, yeah, I would I say that's that. probably one of the lucky uh, mistakes I made. Yeah, that, that yeah, it's such a good point. Those leadership lessons of uh, even the ones that the ones that you fail at, right? You oftentimes learn more from failure, and that yeah. that is a failure on on yeah. on your part, and it's something that we've all been guilty of. But sure. you know, trust but verify, and there's three sides to every story, not just yeah. one. Yeah. So, all right. Well, John, listen, I want to thank you uh, for joining me today. Thank you for joining our podcast. Lead on. Lessons from Military Leaders. You could tune in every other week when we drop these on the 1st of the 15th, Military Paydays. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.